Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray and a special guest who I will introduce later. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on this month's sermons and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org or drop it in the suggestion box in the sanctuary. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about. Don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about any question askers on this podcast. February's theme was resilience, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the sermon from Members and Friends Sunday, as well as the sermon Celebrating Our Gifts, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Amanda. How are you? (laughs) Good. We're back. We're back at it. Yes, absolutely. And this is a very exciting month. It is. We did Celebration Week. Yes. I heard there were balloons. There were balloons. There was a birthday party. I'm very sorry to have missed that. (laughs) It sounds very fun. It seems like one of the key themes that Mm -hmm. I picked up on during your Members and Friends sermon Mm -hmm. was that there are a lot of different ways that people can belong to and contribute to our congregation. Definitely doesn't look the same from individual to individual. But with that said, it can be a little bit overwhelming, all the options. (laughs) So what would you say to a new or a longtime member who wants to strengthen their feeling of belonging and contribution, but doesn't necessarily know where to start? So I think that's a really good question. I know having myself tried to integrate into congregations, it really makes a big difference to join something or show up for some kind of smaller group activity so you can really get to know people. So there are different one-off things you can do, like we're currently looking for snow shovelers. So if you want to volunteer to shovel snow or hosting coffee hour, those are sort of really tangible and one-off ways to sign up and help. There's a book group, there's a knitting club, there are all different kinds of activities. And I think A good way is to think about what your gifts are and what you have to contribute and what you enjoy contributing and then ask around and see if there's a way that we need that, right? Like we discovered that you do podcasts and now we're doing a podcast, which is awesome. And so you never know what the church needs. If you have some special skill or talent, let us know. I think the point really is look for a way that you can engage more deeply with people in a smaller environment if that's the covenant group, which is I think on Saturdays is like a group discussion or signing up for the knitting circle to learn how to knit. Those are really the ways that you get to know people and then feel more connected. And so Sunday isn't this sort of like trying to swim through coffee hour experience. Yeah. It's like these are the people that you already know and you know them more deeply. Certainly serving on committees is a really good way to contribute and get to know people. We need all kinds of different skills to fill all those roles. So so think about what you enjoy giving and what works for you and what would feel like a meaningful way to contribute. And then we'll help you find your space. Feel free to come talk to me if you have a special talent. (laughs) All right. Well, that's actually really good advice for me. I started going to a church in Cambridge. This is exciting. I know. (laughs) Um, I've only been there twice. That counts. And I was only able to go to their coffee hour once, but it was kind of It's kind of daunting. Yeah, yeah. I was overwhelmed. So I think the smaller group suggestion is a really good one. Yeah, it helps. I I had that experience when I was, I joined a congregation in San Francisco when I was in my early 20s. And it was similarly like, what do I do? You know, when I walk into a room and plus I'm 
like 30 years younger than most people. True. So signing up, yeah. So signing up for those kinds of group activities made it so that I would go and there were the people that I knew and I knew that they cared about me and they were my friends and that totally changed the experience. So there's a big difference between just coming on Sunday morning and finding other ways to really integrate into the community that makes Sunday mornings way more enjoyable and Mm -hmm. less awkward. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, there's a lot of emphasis in the UU Church mm-hmm. on decentralizing the responsibility for yes. building the congregation and the structures. Mm-hmm. So huge emphasis on contribution of the congregation. Like we build right. this community together, right. we belong to each other. But as our minister, yes, <laughs> I want to ask how you see the role of the minister in a bottom-up rather than top-down religious organization, right. right? like the kind that we build in our church. Yeah. So I think it's important, congregationally, the, the sort of governing power is with the people. The role of the minister, in my experience and opinion, is to be a spiritual leader. It's my job to be really well-educated on theology and spiritual practices and how to be with people pastorally and those kinds of things. It's sort of a a complicated both and because the congregation has the power, right? The congregation is the one who chooses the minister. They're the one who ordains the minister. And at the same time, there's the danger of thinking the minister doesn't have any power. And in truth, ministers have a lot of symbolic power, which is why things like clergy misconduct are so damaging. Mm It is both true that the minister doesn't run the organization and we have a significant symbolic and spiritual role. And I think there can be some danger in thinking the minister doesn't have a significant influence. Mm -hmm. And I put that more on us as ministers. If we forget our power, that's when we can go astray and do harm. But I really think that it's, I'm involved in the sort of administrative functioning of the church, but my role isn't really to make it function in that kind of nuts and bolts way is to help lead the vision, keep our theological core, be able to talk about different ways of being, know how to be with people in difficult moments, be good at conflict management. It's these sort of squishier things that the Mm -hmm. minister is responsible for, helping shape the culture of the organization to be more generous and to be more kind and to be more joyful. Those are the kinds of things where we as leaders have a lot of a lot of influence and I think it's important for us in our role as ministers to remember that and to really step into it, which is why it matters to me that we do fun things and we have balloons at the end of the service. And, yeah. Right. And we we remember the the traditions that make us who we are and we have the birthday bash. I think those things are important even while like I don't think I get to no, I don't get to vote. I'm a non voting member of the board because I'm not a member of the congregation. And I think that's a good distinction because there's also there can be confusion about the role of the minister in the sense of how you're close to them. Because I think having a minister is actually a really unusual phenomenon and one that can be really helpful. But if we think of relationships only as like friends or colleagues or family members, a minister is none of those things. Yeah, because it's our job to care for the congregation, but the congregation isn't supposed to care for us. Right. And I so, remember we talked about this yeah. in October. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, right. October of 2019 with the discussion of boundaries right. and right. respecting that power dynamic. Right. Right. Because if you think the minister is your friend, they've sort of abdicated their role as minister. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's where remembering my role is really important to me for making sure I show up for people as their minister, because that's a hard thing to find. Mm hmm. It's definitely an amorphous thing, but a thing that can be really powerful. So I'm doing my best. So you mentioned that we ordain you. Yes, you do. Have we ordained you yet? Not yet. Our process is extremely convoluted. I'll give you the brief synopsis. Okay. 
So because we're congregational, it means the congregations get to say who their minister is. But to make sure there is uniformity and people are actually qualified and actually trained, the Unitarian Universalist Association, which is our like central body of all the congregations, they have this extremely rigorous process that we have to go through. And that's called becoming fellowshipped, which basically means we're board certified. Okay. And then after that happens, you're allowed to get a job. You're allowed to serve as a minister. That's sort of the thing that like you're licensed to do your job. Mm -hmm. But then because we're congregational, you're still not fully ordained until the congregation holds the ceremony to bestow your ministerial authority on you. Okay. So we're going to do that on April 19th. I will have been well over a year since I became fellowshipped and was a credentialed yeah. minister. So it's sort of it's sort of this like sweet historical technicality because I can do everything that someone can do once they're ordained and because this congregation calls me their minister, I am one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wonky polity yeah but so we will be celebrating on april 19th and everyone is invited and after it you get to wear a stole that's the yes that is the only difference the only difference between my life right now and after ordination is i get to wear a stole the fashions the fashion changes i kind of like that we do it after we get to know you yeah yeah and that's why i didn't want to rush it it was like you know we have work to do we're not going to focus on like planning the party right now we're going to focus on doing the real thing Okay, so now focusing more explicitly on the second sermon we're discussing, yes. which is yep. celebrating our gifts. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the beginning of the pledge drive. Right. And talking about money and giving can be a little bit awkward, a yes. little bit crass. Yep. You know, we're here for spiritual growth and right. community, and we're talking about grubby money. <laughs> and a lot of people don't want to think about right. the financials, which right. makes sense. Right. And the um, minister is directly paid by the congregation. So me encouraging giving is itself sort of pay me right a little bit yeah it was actually funny because multiple people on sunday told me it was the first time they'd heard a sermon given by a minister about pledging that wasn't super awkward well what i mean i want to talk to you about the approach that made it not awkward like the approach that made it a really substantial and reflective time instead of (laughs) just pressuring people to pay you right I mean, it seems like you were mainly focusing on making a distinction between churchgoers and consumers Mm -hmm. and churchgoers as community members. Right. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about that. Well, I think continuing on sort of the first theme of to really feel like you're part of something, you need to engage more deeply than just showing up. And and I want to say for some people, just showing up on Sunday is all they have in the moment. And so that is welcome and do that and come when you can. And... My hope was to talk about, I mean, the reality is that this congregation is self-funded, right? That's part of being congregational, which means that everybody is collectively contributing to build something together, which is actually really unusual that you get to see that so directly, right? Normally when you're giving to an organization, it's a little bit like behind a smokescreen. Whereas in this sense, you see what happens and you experience it directly because it's your congregation. And there are so many people who give so much to our congregation that I really wanted to celebrate that. Because I think when we're talking about money and budgets, there can be this fear that we don't have enough, which sort of creates a sense that there isn't enough, right? Like you sort of instantly tense up in response to that idea. And I think that giving, I mean, as I said in my sermon, it makes us feel good, Mm -hmm. right? It makes us feel like we have agency. 
it shares our abundance, it both creates something outside of ourselves and makes us happier. Like all of those are really wonderful things. And I think the difference between focusing on this, like you have to give us your money so that this organization can survive is a pretty mercenary way of thinking about things that mm-hmm. makes it feel like you have to give or like you did something bad. And in this and case, no one feels good right. about that. And it's actually right. the opposite, right? Like yeah. you're voluntarily, like where you use, we're not making any requirements. You show up as you are, you give what you can. And that means that what you're giving sincerely is a gift and you get to celebrate that and you get to feel good about that and know that everyone in this community is giving as much as they can in the ways that they can. And for some people that's giving a lot financially. For some people it's showing up to shovel the snow every week, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole range and it changes over time, right? Because like when you're a young adult, maybe you can't give a whole lot to the congregation, but you can make the podcast, right? Like that's a huge deal. And so instead of focusing on this sense of obligation, which I think just feels icky, especially around money, Mm -hmm. really uplifting the power of everybody opting to come together and build this thing voluntarily that so benefits everyone around them is really beautiful and totally not awkward. Like it's just incredible. Yeah. I completely recognize that feeling. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of radio pledge drives and, you know, you mentioned that I'm into podcasts. So I do personally, I'm a monthly contributor to the podcast network I listen to and classical economics would say, why would you ever pay for something you can have for free? doesn't make any sense. Right. And I could have these podcasts absolutely for free. They show up in my podcast feed. No one's going to come up and make me feel guilty. Right. (laughs) Like they're freely available. But giving makes me feel differently about right. that. Right. Rather than being a passive consumer, I feel like my identity as a generous individual is affirmed. Right. I feel like a stronger member of the community. Right. I'm part of this group of peers who are also helping to support and create these things. It's consistent with my personal values that right. people should be able to financially survive when yeah, providing creating art, art or other services right. for people. And it makes me feel good. Right. And it right. makes me have a sense of ownership over this thing that I love. Right. It makes complete sense to me why people pay for things that they don't have to. Yeah. Because it creates more richness. It creates more abundance instead of this, like if you had to pay for it, you'd feel very differently about it. Saying that you're paying for it sounds right. like you're buying it. Right. We are not buying anything right. no. from this church. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we are building this church. Right. And this is a part of it. Exactly. I think this is a great time to segue over to our special guest. Great. Now I'd like to introduce special guest Bruce Hall, who is the coordinator of the annual Pledge Campaign Committee. And for those discerning listeners who noted that he has the same last name as me, yes, he is also my dad. Welcome. Hello, my daughter, Amanda. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. A little behind the scenes knowledge, Bruce sits at the table with me and Laurel while we record. So he's been a silent partner for a long time. Well, I do have, I think, director and producer credits or some sort of credits. So that's fine. Yes. And we, we love doing this, right? Yeah. So much fun. So can you tell us and the listeners a little bit about the themes and goals of the Pledge Drive this year? Sure. So I'm actually the coordinator of the Pledge Campaign Committee. And it's a group of extraordinarily talented individuals, which includes Reverend Laurel, Lisa Shemway, who's our treasurer, and a few other folks. And we produce this very nice brochure, which talks about 
the themes of the campaign. And I think a lot of times when you see pledge drives and things like this, they come up with themes and they do things and they may or may not mean anything to you. But Mm -hmm. to me, our themes are very deeply meaningful. It begins with this idea of build on our foundation. For the last three or four years, we've been running deficit budgets. And we have now balanced our budget by virtue of the fact that we brought in Reverend Laurel at three-quarter time. This was necessitated by our budgeting situation. So Mm -hmm. we did this, balanced the budget. We have Laurel at three-quarter time, and now we're back in a balanced budget situation. That's great. We're very happy about that. And a lot of people are breathing sighs of relief that we're now Mm -hmm. back on solid ground and good footing. And under the Building Our Foundation umbrella are three goals. One is expand our ministry. And you could also call that more Laurel. So we've got got Laurel at three-quarter time. We'd like to have her do a little bit more, maybe one more sermon a month. She does two out of four sermons a month now, right? Maybe one more sermon a month from her. So that's expand our ministry. Another one of our goals is plan for the future, which is kind of this long-term idea that we might need some work on the steeple for the church or some other more expansive, financially committed type things that we want to save for. Some might call that a rainy day. So we want to have more money put aside so that we can plan for contingencies and things like that. So that's plan for the future. And both of those are really pretty purely financially motivated goals. Mm -hmm. And our third goal is share our principles. And that really relates to something Laura was talking about earlier in the podcast about share your gifts, whether you want to go to book group or you want to go to knitting class or quilting, or you might do share the plate or LGBTQ type causes or other types of things that you are passionate about. The idea here is to have people volunteer, share your passions, share your gifts, and we'd like to maybe infuse some money into some of those campaigns where appropriate. And Mm -hmm. so we'd like to maybe fund a little bit more of that outreach as we go forward. We have an extraordinarily talented community. We have this phenomenal spectrum of talented people, and we'd really like to draw more of them in to contribute to causes that they are passionate about. So these are the themes that we wanted to advance as part of the pledge campaign. We have a very aggressive campaign. Last year, we raised 102000 from our pledge campaign. This year, we going for 120000 and we think we can get there. A lot of folks have already upped their commitment and things like that, and we're asking people very specifically to say, you know, can you support us now that we're back on solid foundation, help us achieve our goals. Yeah, be a part of the future of this congregation. Be a part of the success of what you care about that's going on in this congregation. I think there's a lot of renewed excitement here. And and I'd like to credit Laurel with a lot of it, but not all of it. We're a very resilient congregation. I think we're a congregation, again, with many, many gifts, with a tremendous sense of community and optimism. And I think hopefully the themes around this pledge drive reflect that. What should people do if they want to learn more? Well, it's uh, easy to pledge. The best way to get more information is to email office at uucsw.org. Lisa Shumway is our treasurer. You can talk to Lisa about the pledge. There's this online resource called UU Realm. You can donate there. At the church, you can find a pledge card. Most people were given customized letters in which there was a pledge card, an invitation to go to Realm or however they want to pledge. So it's easy to do that. Uh, Just find your way to the church or send that email. Or if you just want to give a gift to the church and there's no, everything is confidential, no amount is too large or too small. So anything, any way you'd like to do it, any way that you want to support the church is welcomed. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. And thanks for hosting the podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, Laurel, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Of course, thank you. I hear that next month's theme is wisdom. It is. And we're 
Um, the last week of March is Kindness Week in Westboro with, through Westboro Connects. And so Sunday, I think it's the 29th, we're going to talk about kindness. So bring your friends that day. Well, that sounds great. And I look forward to debriefing with you after that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org or visit us in person. All are welcome.